Hi, welcome back to Rebuilders. My name is Liddy and I'm here with Mark Sayers. We are back for another season. Last season, we explored leading through crisis as we, the world, faced the COVID-19 reality. We've taken a bit of a break since then, a strategic break. Mark, do you want to explain the thinking behind that and where we're going from here? Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things. One, first of all, just trying to work out how you reposition a church in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really do notice the amount of extra thinking that your brain has to do um, just around even simple things. You know, we're currently in a, in a level four lockdown here in Melbourne and gone back into lockdown and just small things like mandatory mask wearing, and they go to the supermarket at certain times. So all of that does eat away at the old brain energy. But it's interesting, whilst our brain energy was being eaten away, um, you know, over the last few months, also just been absolutely inundated with um, people sending messages, emails, all really asking the question like, um, you know, what is going on in the world? Now, that's a question that people have asked me for a long time, <laughs> but there's a greater intensity to this. And I think that as COVID-19 um, dug in more, really, as it wasn't just this um, thing which passed away quickly, mm-hmm. those questions have, um, you know, become more to the forefront. And I felt like there's a reason that actually we need to step back. Um, often commenting on things, there's a reactivity to that. Um, I think also what I noticed um, was that early on in the pandemic, there was this singular global experience that everyone was going through, which I think is still happening. Um, at the beginning, you know, in sort of March, as countries were locking down, you know, I was on sort of Zoom calls to different um, nations and yes. so on and you know we all had this common experience but then you began to see how the unique social political cultural differences of all those countries began to really kick in um, and it's been really interesting like I think to you know a year ago I could talk broadly about the west yes and sort of it hit everyone um, really now you look at say you know how um, you know the United States has responded really differently to Australia you look at how um, you know, New Zealand and Australia, you know, like like in some ways have acted more like Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, the United Kingdom has been, you know, had different experiences to different parts of Europe and so on. And it's been this really interesting thing. While as we've been cut off from the rest of the world, it's brought all these, I guess, national issues to the surface. Um, so almost wanting to step back for a, a, a period and ask the, the question rather, what is, there's all these changes going on. That's what I said. There's this change after change and crisis seemingly after crisis, but really wanted to, I guess, step back and ask the question, you know, what is the big shift that's going on in the world? Um, because I just got the sense that there's something bigger. Like people ask me, you know, what's going on with COVID? What's happening with, you know, these protests against racism? Yes. You know, what's going on with, you know, India and China are hitting each other with clubs in the you know, top of the world. So, you know, like, like <laughs> I what's- I shouldn't laugh. I know. It's, it's, that description. It's 2020. Um, nothing, nothing is, everything that was used to be weird is now normal. Um, but I just had the sense that behind all of this stuff, there was a bigger shift happening. And I felt like it was important to strategically step back to just see from the commanding heights of what was going on in the world and to truly analyze it versus just reactively commentating on things. Yeah, so now that you have taken this opportunity to step back, have some time with God, understand and, and look at what's happening around the world, uh, what do you see as the meta change that's happening in the world? Oh, I love that term, meta change. Meta change. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel there is this profound change that's occurring in the world. And 
in a sense, it's bigger than COVID. It's, you know, bigger than social change that's happened in the US or mm-hmm. Europe. It's, it's bigger than technology. There is this profound change happening in the world. And effectively, in order to do ministry, to flourish, to lead, we really need to dig in and understand this axial moment that we're in. And for me, this, this huge change is, is what we're seeing is the shift from an industrial age to a networked age. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, I think COVID-19 is really the biggest indicator of this change happening. Sure. Um, and a, a, a pandemic which spreads through the world at such a rapid rate in a matter of weeks shows how much the world has become a connected network. And so an industrial age is really... Um, this age which is defined by institutions, by hierarchy. If you can imagine, it's sort of like um, Noel Ferguson talks about as these towers, that culture was led by these hubs of power and these hubs of influence. And they were the people who shaped culture. They shaped its morals. They shaped its direction. And in a sense, we are going through this age where there's a shift of power away from those centralized hubs, be they government, entertainment, Hollywood, elements of the church. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and is moving to this much flatter reality. So we're going from this centralized hierarchical order um, around these institutions led by elites to a much flatter reality of a, of a, a flatter, more egalitarian, uh, more connected world. And in many ways to compare this, I would say that I think the more I've sat on this and thought about it, we're going through, I think we're at the beginning of a change that's as consequential as really what happened in the sort of 15th century when uh, Gutenberg created the printing press. Yes. You know, before then, um, information and knowledge and power was kept around certain people who could read, who if you think about how um, information was conveyed, it was conveyed through manuscripts, which actually had to be painstakingly written out by monks and yes. learned people. There was this connected uh, sort uh, you know, group of these institutions. So in a sense, they still were networks, but they were still around these central hubs. And then you had the printing press, which meant that you could cheaply print books at, at a, quite a, a rapid rate compared to the hands-taking, painstaking Hands taking is that a word? The no, pains- it's not. Go with it. We'll keep going. The painstaking writing of manuscripts to all of a sudden they p- were printing, and this created the Protestant Reformation as yeah. all of a sudden Bibles went from being in a sense at those central hubs of hierarchical institutional power to people reading. And I, you know, I'm not going to do a whole history lesson here on it, but there was this profound networked era that then kicked off yes. from about the 15th century to the 18th century. And, and there, were, there was like quite a lot of fear around that of destabilizing the power of those institutions at the time. And you can kind of see that happening now with that destabilization of, of power. Absolutely. In, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it profoundly changed everything. It, 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 you know, if you look at that period, that's when national identities grew. You know, mm. Martin Luther printed the Bible in German. And in a sense, 
you know, contemporary German as we understand it now can be traced back to then. This sense of people reading the Bible in their own language yes. created this idea of nationality. And, you know, the profound changes in the church, the profound changes in politics, as all of a sudden political tracts could be passed around, uh, you know, social change as all of a sudden the former hierarchies that have been part of culture for many, many centuries, all of a sudden you saw almost this democratic, you know, the, mo the move towards democracy really begins at that point. Um, so what we're seeing is we're seeing this, this uh, you know, 18th century, uh, so 15th to the 18th century was this networked era. But then it's interesting, if you look at the, sort of the end of the 18th century all the way to the 1960s, there was this reconsolidation of power. Mm -hmm. So we went from this networked era, but then there was this pulling back in of power, which really began with the Industrial Revolution as what happened was you had people who were freed from just money coming from the land. Yes. And then all of a sudden people started trading in the world. You had, you know, the European empires go out in the world, start bringing stuff back. And it created this centralization of power. Um, and industry, this is the industrial revolution. All of a sudden people who could produce stuff at scale, at mass, then reconsolidated power really amongst an industrial elite. Mm -hmm. And that's when you see Europe and America, you know, really becomes the height of power in the world. And particularly in the last 100 years, America's been the dominant, um, or you know, particularly since the end of World War II, America's been the dominant power. And we've had the American century, the, the height of American power. And particularly after World War II, when, um, you know, if you look at, um, uh, you know, Europe was really crushed by the war, America in many ways, you know, in a sense, flourished after World War II, but it was around manufacturing. It was mm -hmm. around the central Hollywood producing and telling the stories for the world through cinema. Um, and this era of the industrial age has deeply shaped how we view leadership and influence in our world. The last 50 years has also been really the, the height of America's influence on the global church yes. as well. And, you know, you go back, you see that around that seminary here, that large church there. Um, you know, there's been this, this understanding of how we view leadership, that leadership is getting to the top of one of these hub institutions, and that's how you exercise power. Um, but this is changing before our eyes. So looking at this kind of history of power shifts, what you're kind of saying is what's happening at the moment, this shift from an industrial age into what you're calling a networked um, age, is kind of the shift behind all of these other changes that are happening, the shift behind the shift. Absolutely. So, you know, all of these pre-existing things. So, for example, um, you know, let's look at racism. And in the US, um, you know, with the video of the killing of George Floyd, mm. um, you know, all of a sudden you saw this, this huge move, um, you know, all across America of protests in an incredible amount of American cities that then went into Canada, went into Europe, went around the, uh, many parts of the world. And what's really interesting, it's not like it had, you know, a number of people sort of like 
you know, sending me messages and like, you know, everyone's talking about racism now. Well, it's, it's not like racism wasn't an issue before the George Floyd video. Very it's, true. It's not like there wasn't movements and there wasn't people trying to foster change. Um, but what actually happened was is that the George Floyd video happened at a time where all of a sudden the world was networked and something with literally in 48 hours, this video, and again, too, just think about the fact that now in a networked age, that's, that video could be captured by standers, uh, 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 passers-by mm-hmm. who were standing there seeing this, this you know, horrible image. Stuff like that happened before, but now with this, this, this uh, smartphone that's all at our fingertips, that can be recorded, shared, yes. and there's this mass mobilization that happens almost in an organic sense. Like it's not like an institution at the moment of the George Floyd video decided, okay, now's our moment. It's actually this organic networked reality that then went all across places. And just just to give an example, it's so interesting too how in Belgium, Belgium saw you know a bunch of protests, a bunch of stuff happening. So this issue that happened in the US then comes across to Belgium and there's some solidarity and similarity as people of color in Belgium experience that. And then mm-hmm. Belgium's own history with colonialism, going back to King Leopold and all this, but also it connects with a bunch of very unique Belgian issues yes, um, as well. So that was, that was the issue of racism happening, but the meta shift behind it is actually the networked age. COVID is another example. COVID is the biggest lesson that we've shifted to a network age. And seeing certain governments who delayed on having to make decisions on do we lock down, you know, how do we get, um, you know, all of our governors or our premiers, all the people (laughs) in that cabinet to spend the next two weeks looking at this when it was literally like, no, you need to make a decision in 48 hours, shut your borders. Um, And if you just think about it too, like COVID-19, there were pandemics which happened. In the 1960s, there was a flu pandemic, which was actually quite bad, but we didn't have the international jet travel and connection that we have now. Yes. I mean, here in the state of Victoria, uh, we're in Australia, and particularly particularly this in Melbourne, this side of town, there's a huge Chinese population. Mm. And you had schools around here that when we went into lockdown, anyone who'd been in China had to go into self-isolation. There were schools where half or more of the students weren't in school. My kids' classes, there were so many kids away because there are literally tens of thousands of people from Melbourne who are regularly in China going backwards and Mm. forwards. So it's not that we weren't having racism for the first time. It's that we're having – so it's not that we were having racism for the first time. It's actually racism was now playing out in a network dynamic. Mm -hmm. It's not that we had not had a pandemic before. And pandemics always work according to um, networks. They pass from person to person. Yes, of course. The, the you know the plagues we saw in the Middle Ages, the Spanish flu spread through the world at the beginning of the 20th century as soldiers. Well, the plague started with rats. Yes, but, you know. Well, rats are part of the network. If well, humans, okay. <laughs> you know, so um, don't leave out the rats. We'll have one episode specifically about just rats. on rats. Yeah, um, we can get my brother in who's had some problems with rats in his roof. <laughs> I but have that's heard an, about that. That's another uh, another story. Um, so really, these pre-existing issues like China and America's trade war, COVID nineteen, racism, whatever it may be, they're now playing out in a very different environment. That's why people are going. Why does this all seem so much more crazy? It's not that these issues have arisen they've arisen in the midst of a networked world and this is changing everything so this could be changing how india and china are competing with each other Mm -hmm. but it's also changing our personal lives um you know you look at our personal lives someone we we are sitting here if people could see us 
we have mandatory masks in um, Melbourne. So if it's actually quite hilarious how we're sitting. So I'm in a sealed room with a glass wall. Lydia, you're, I don't know, five, ten metres away. Yeah, I'm not good at distance Um, estimation. And then we've got Daniel who's running the sound desk who is literally like, he's a small speck in the distance in another (laughs) room. Um, Like, so this is profound. An important speck. An important speck. We never (laughs) downplay our intrepid sound man. But this has changed. COVID-19 changed the individual lives of every human on earth. Yes. Because of this network. Um, People lose their jobs now. Because someone in another country in a boardroom makes a decision that their entire industry is going to move somewhere else mm. in the world. Um, we can see something on the news, a horrible, you know, disturbing video of violence that exists in another country. Um, you know, I just this morning, I was looking on the news, I saw images coming out of Belarus where there's sort of it seems like almost a revolution kicking off. Belarus would have never crossed my mind 30 Mm. years ago before the internet. But now we see videos, people talking. So this is the great shift behind all the shifts happening in our world. Okay, so the shift is happening, but what's actually driving it? What's what's been the catalyst for it to occur? What's pushing it to happen? Well, I think there's, there's just two major drivers. The first one is, if you think about it, it's interesting because the industrial age created the computer. And so, you know, if you go back, there were mainframe computers, but when the computers became a network, that's when everything changed. Mm-hmm. When the computers were linked to each other, and, you know, you just think people listening to this all over the world, we have listeners, you know, all over the place, literally the speed which with these few people in, in Melbourne, Australia got this message in a time of lockdown where we can't travel. Australians yes. are not allowed to leave our country at this moment. But through these cables going, fiber optic cables um, going under the, the sea, is it fiber optic cables, Daniel? Yep, I'm getting a nod. Good. That's my tech <laughs> fact check that, that actually we're connected. So the first one is computers becoming part of the network. So the internet is the first major factor in this. The second one is globalization. And the world has become increasingly connected to each other. So the computers got connected to each other, but then people in different geographical locations got connected to each other. Mm. Now, the world's moved through various forms of globalization um, and different people argue over when you know, that sort of began. Uh, Valerie Hansen's just written a book saying it was the year 1000. And there's actually incredible amounts of actual globalization happening in history. You know, we think oh, all, yes. the, all the different continents that are connecting, you know, like, you know, Africa trading with India and Asia, you know, trading with Europe. You know, all this stuff was happening for a long, long time. Peter Frankopan's written another book about the Silk Road, mm-hmm. which is really interesting how China sees itself as the middle kingdom at the center of this global network. That's mm-hmm. how it understands itself. So what we're seeing now with China's Belt and Road Initiative is just a return to previous understanding of, um, you know, globalization, the Roman Empire in some ways, 
was a, a globalizing force, connecting people all the way from Central Asia, North Africa into England. Yes. Jesus lived at the center of this global yeah. network um, of the Roman road and the Roman um, postal service. Um, even in the, there's a fascinating book by Giles uh, uh, Milton on just uh, the caliphate, which was when Islam was at the center of the world, controlling parts of North Africa into the Middle East, into Europe, into Central Asia. What kind of time frame was that? Um, this was this was probably you know 1400s okay. up up into you know the 1700s, mm-hmm. 1800s, where um, well, you know, and to be honest, a bit earlier than that, um, where really you had. Um, this this sort of religion of Islam, in a sense, also became a globalizing force for a period there. Um, and he talks about um, slavery and how that operated. And often we think about slavery and how we understand it in the in the African slave uh, trade, which you know we're talking a lot about at the moment. Mm. But he talks about just all these different movements of people of you know Cornish villages and people in Iceland being sold into slavery in North Africa. So this tremendous amount of and and just a comment on slavery. It's interesting. Slavery really. Um, in one way to understand is it was the the resource of, that powered in many of these first waves of globalization. Yeah, okay. And, you know, now it's fossil fuels or the internet, sure. you know, and a lot of what we're dealing with now, the effects of slavery that we're seeing still today go back to these early waves of um, slavery, the Slavic people, so people from Serbia or Ukraine or um, Russia, uh, the word slave is actually linked to the word slav that's what it actually comes from because they were sold into you know slavery often within the caliphate in the islamic empire okay um you know there's other people like you know ben wilson wrote a book um saying the victorian era around 1850 when we had um you know ships traversing the world mm-hmm. and and the connection of um uh, more uh, what do you call it like telegraphs and stuff like that is mm-hmm. an early proto internet look the reality of all of this basically says the world at various times has globalized, but particularly what's happened is in the last half centuries, we talked about that industrial age. Um, part of the project that America undertook was to organize the world around a global vision. And mm-hmm. that global vision had things like the IMF, um, the Bretton Woods sort of financial rules, the World Bank, and really what it was was an American vision of globalization. Yes. Um, with America basically sort of trading with the world and, you know, American military force connecting the world, making it safe. And people saw that that would move history towards this sort of perfected end. And, yes. and Francis Fukuyama wrote a famous book called The End of History. And he said, like, with the communism falling, Basically, the world will almost become like this liberal democratic place where people don't really believe in religion that much anymore and no one really believes in politics anymore. And you got one sort of, you know, global superpower is going to sort of lead the world. And what we're really living through is the shift from an American-driven globalization to now a global globalization. That's, uh, yeah. I know. So <laughs> <laughs> laughing at me in my, my, my highfalutin terms. Global globalization. Globalization. So j- just one more point on that. It's mm-hmm. interesting. One of the things that's happening with COVID-19 is it's accelerating previously existing trends. So I think it's it's COVID-19. If there were things in a country that were underneath the surface, maybe racism, maybe political corruption, maybe a hollowing out of bureaucracy, and then COVID-19 comes, it accelerates those trends. But mm-hmm. what COVID-19 has done as well is it's created a more digital form of globalization so it's combined the two factors. So it's actually, we're still globalizing. We're still watching what's happening on the news, but we can't travel. So we're almost moved now into a more digital form of globalization. 
Uh, so that's, I guess, part of the reason why things are feeling more chaotic and more intense at the moment. So uh, starting to get a sense of what this looks like globally, this shift from an industrial age to a networked age, what are a few things, maybe just like thumbnail sketches of what we can draw out in terms of churches? How is this impacting churches? What does this mean for churches and what does this mean for leaders at this point in time? It's been really interesting. I mean, I, one of the big feedbacks I've had is so many pastors reaching out to me, sending messages who are just really struggling in mm. the last five months to whether church has changed, how they respond to so many cultural issues coming all at once. Mm. And, you know, a lot of this I think is around the fact that churches and our concepts of Christian leadership and even from seminaries, Bible colleges to how we form people are actually shaped by the industrial age. And rapidly in the shift to a networked world, it means the ways that we understood things and how they worked before are rapidly being disrupted. Um, so that makes us feel like we've got no solid place to stand and things which worked in a previous season um, of perhaps trying to get to the top of an organization to affect change. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden that organization is completely upended, you know, by the, this shift. So understanding that so many of our leadership concepts, so many of our how we do churches are shaped by a period of history that probably went from the end of the 18th century to the 1960s yes. and now is in rapid change, uh, first of all. And I think the second one, um, it's, it's really interesting that, you know, one of the big shifts we're living through at the moment is um, this, this I, 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 let me go back, like uh, it was so interesting in the beginning of the pandemic, I did a number of Zoom calls to different countries mm-hmm. and heaps like in multiple, um, I spoke to multiple groups of leaders in different countries and you got this real sense of there were countries pulling together. Mm-hmm. There's some incredible moments I had with where countries where all of a sudden leaders were coming together to face COVID-19 and there was this real unity in the church and the nation had pulled together and people felt this collective sense. Um, but then also getting heaps of messages, particularly from the US, which was just going through this period of complete upheaval. Mm. And, um, you know, people sort of saying to me, hey, everything's sort of crazy, you know, and politics has gone crazy. I think I would argue our experience here in Australia is actually that I've seen politics pull together. Yeah, um, it's been quite impressive. Um, we have a, a conservative prime minister, um, you know, who's a Christian working with a left-wing premier in our state, mm. and he's refusing to criticise him. Um, and, you know, you've got, of course, no one's perfect and there's, you know, the occasional op-eds and stuff like that. So part of our understanding of this age as well is that what this shift from an industrial age to a network age is doing is it's creating a tremendous amount of upheaval in the United States. Mm. And what that means for the United States, also what it means for the rest of the world is the United States has been in many ways the leader in terms of thinking in many people, in terms of publishing. There's been so many wonderful resources and inspiring leaders and so many things that, you know, I've learned personally and others that have learned personally, but also understanding that in a sense, the US is being disrupted by the network at this time. Mm. And the US and how it's done so many different things um, actually has been the height of that industrial age. And now as we move away from industrial age, um, it means we need new concepts of how to think about leadership and organization of the church. So in a sense, the US, I feel like it's going into this. I mean, the fact that my inbox is filled with people like, Mark, help us understand this, and I'm not even American. <laughs> I'm stuck here in, I can't live more than five kilometers from my house in Melbourne, Australia, um, is showing that I think we're now 
moving into a phase where the next answers are not necessarily going to come for the US. And that's not a slight on the US. It's actually going to be far more global. Mm. So the move from an American globalization to a um, global globalization um, is actually that the answers are going to come from all around the world. And I've been fascinated in these Zoom calls I've had, like talking to people in small European countries, people in, in, in Asia, and there's going to be answers coming from everywhere from the Republic of Ireland to India in the next future of what the church is doing. So I think there's an invitation mm. to actually engage with the world because as Christians, we're called to engage with the world. And I think just lastly, there's an, a sense where this is an upheaval but there's transformative moments in upheaval. Mm. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's a, a real opportunity here to go, hang on, what were the idols of our industrial age? And to actually walk with the father into the next season going, where do you want to lead us? As this, this is a humbling, humbling experience living with COVID-19 uh, in, in an industrial age. So I, I think that I'm excited about this journey that we're going. I think mm. as we, we work through this and even people listen and apply this in their local um, context, I think that, you know, there's a bunch of really exciting things that God wants to do. Yeah. Wow, an amazing setup, Mark. Thank you. Uh, really looking forward to deep diving into these meta themes. Next week, we're going to be looking at more of an understanding of how networks actually work. Even might be talking about how a family snap taken at the beach can change the world once we put it on Instagram. So I'm interested in talking about that. Thank you so much, Mark. We'll see you next time.